Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there, all you sweet little lambs. I am John Grant, musician and curious child, still. And I want to introduce you to some very beautiful creatures. So this is going to be a podcast about conversations with what I consider to be some of Earth's premier citizens in all their glory. It's hard to know where to begin exactly with today's guest because she's one of my favorite people on planet Earth. Her name is Kristen Hirsch, and I've been listening to her music since 1985. So she's today's beautiful creature. She is the lead singer of Throwing Muses, who were the first uh, U.S. band to be signed to the cult indie label 4AD. And she also records as a solo artist and with her other band, 50 Foot Wave. She's a musician of incredible integrity. I would call her actually a musician's musician. And she lives out her art with real intensity, as you will soon hear. Welcome to Joe Grant, beautiful creature. <laughs> oh, come on now, come on now. Come on now, devil. I have to I have to say, Kristen, uh, I didn't know that you started your journey out in the South. Oh, yeah, I'm way Georgian. Yeah. And I really... But I got beat up for my accent in the yeah. Northeast, so I, yeah. I try to lose it. You can hear it when I'm drunk or tired or singing. I just think it's... I, I, I mean, I, I love Southern accents, and I've always found myself doing them, especially when I was living in Texas. <laughs> it you happens know, fast. It happens real fast, and I just but really love it. that's why I live it, in New Orleans. I get to say ma'am, and nobody thinks my IQ dips when I yeah. talk the way I really do. Yeah, and Miss So-and-So. <laughs> Miss so-and-so, you know, Miss Miss yes. Julie. Oh, yeah, I'm Miss Martha. Well, yeah. Miss Martha, Jesus don't give us nothing we can't handle. <laughs> true words would never spoke, would they? <laughs> it's true. It's true. So where are you right now? I'm in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, right. And so I got a studio like an hour away and a beach an hour away and living in memories. I just took a nature walk with Dave Narciso from the museums and... Right. It's just kind of the life that I've been living on and off for a million years. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I haven't stopped listening to your music ever from the moment that I discovered it. What an incredibly full life you've led. I hope you don't mind me giving you a little bit of my perspective on what I felt. No, I, I could use that because I'm, I'm pretty confused about what it is that I used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're one of those artists that's able to, um, you know, even if I don't know exactly the context of what you're talking about, you know, what you're doing and the way you are being in the world, just being, and the way you're doing your thing, it comes across anyway. Ah, okay, I like that. So, you know, that I, it doesn't have to be um, poured over and thought about. It, it just arrives and has the effect, whether you... Oh, I like that very much. That's, that's cool. a nice way of putting it. Only a musician, maybe. Mm. <laughs> can't hear that way but i mean there's a lot of people that say a lot of words that that you know you can hear every single word and you know the exact context and they do nothing for you, you know, yeah they, i wouldn't think that'd be music yeah exactly you know? like, yeah music well songs it might not be songs right yeah, i i can appreciate that you can hear stuff but yeah. with um cerebral facility uh applied Aesthetically, you can reach a point of beauty, but not without the subject playing along. Right. So if, if you begin that way, you're not going to be responding. You're going to be making stuff up. And yeah. who needs that? Like, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. So I don't mind that I was so confused by what I did. Right. You know, I can't listen to it. I find it a little upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> a little sad <laughs> yeah you know for me it just for me it doesn't sound sad at all it just puts a spring in my step you know oh really yeah See, I like that too it's we you know, thought we were a party band for real yeah <laughs> right because we played parties right and we thought we were happy and celebratory and I, i'm a very sunny person to the yeah. point where i come across as kind of dopey and <laughs> these uh you know a lot of people that liked the music didn't like me they they wanted the cartoon yeah. character they expected to show up which was right. somebody mopey i guess right and right 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 it was all in the music so what i got to be was a positive person and they they didn't want positivity yeah and so when i applied my selfhood to the music i thought maybe i was wrong maybe it's not celebratory maybe it's goddamn mopey mm. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's it's tough, right? Because, I mean, I, I talk a lot about what people, a lot of people consider to be really dark things, but there's a lot of humor mixed into it, you know? Yeah, and so, yeah. Because I feel like both of the experiences are part of the deal, and so they're both valid, and they're neither positive or negative. That's true. I mean, I got pure joy from your music, so it didn't matter if it sounded like... I think the joy that you were feeling from doing what you were doing or that positivity, I felt like that was that was still coming through. Uh -huh. You know, what seems to appear quite dark to a lot of people is simply um, another color or another flavor on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Or intensity. It's another volume yeah. setting. And you can be intense about anything, really. So yeah. if you begin to attribute like a mood methodology to music, you're going to come up with limited vocabulary, even in your listening response. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand what a mood is. And, and I know people think I have mood disorders or that I will align 
that's the way, and right. I really don't. I don't yeah. understand why you would have an emotional response to something that isn't actually happening. <laughs> and when I say things, like, people get all upset. It's like, no, I want you to lie around in bed, depressed. Come on, do it. But music is so on; it must be on, even when it's quiet. And you can't be afraid of any color. My son Wyatt, who's a cartoonist, says, "Make room for the turquoise," meaning in your life. He knows that I see turquoise as A minor or A minor as turquoise and uh-huh. that that's a, obviously there's some sadness, what we would term sadness there or quiet, something slow and low that reminds us of entropy. And so we say, no, don't go there. But he said, it's more beautiful for the turquoise on the landscape. So if your life is now a landscape mm. and the music is reflecting that, always make room for the, for the turquoise. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to me because it's sort of, I don't know, I, I don't see any of these things as negative. Melancholy to me is like a, a beautiful October afternoon, you know? There you go. I think it's the word beauty. I wouldn't, yeah. you know, obviously we have co-opted it to the point where it's degraded to yeah. an unrecognizable state. We use beauty to mean the cosmetics industry and crap yeah. like that. And, yeah. But I wouldn't make any decision or without aesthetics at play without Mm, some mm -hmm. form of beauty and its spine the most beautiful equations are aesthetically inclined to begin with the symbolism the the effect Mm. everything is simplified to the point where it is this rarefied attempt to reflect what we have here so how could that possibly be unbeautiful and yeah melancholy is a spirit that a lot of people carry it's not mm-hmm. wrong because it isn't gleeful. Right. It might be an American thing, too, to just chase yeah. down giddy. <laughs> You're probably not yeah. going to yeah, catch yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's, um, I started studying Russian when I was, I guess, 19 or 20. I'm 53 now. And um, so I, I've spent time in Russia and I've spent time in the Ukraine. And, you know, the Russians, they have quite a... I was thinking about the Brazilians, too, because they love that word sudaji, you know, which is this apparently untranslatable word which ha- which contains, you know, the concept of melancholy in it. It's sort of like a longing for right. something. And then, but the Russians have something called tuska, which is similar. It's I mean, they have the word melancholy as well. It's another word that's hard to translate. And the Russians really, they sort of have cornered the market, it seems like, <laughs> sometimes on the... On the melancholy, because they sort of, you know, as opposed to Americans, they prepare for the worst and then would like to be pleasantly surprised when things turn out better, you know? (laughs) Yeah. We're famous for asking them how they are, and then when they answer honestly, getting all upset. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to say you're fine. (laughs) Exactly. So you've lived all over, but when did you move to New Orleans? Uh... Ten years. I just left a few months ago, uh, but I've been recording there for about twenty. Wow! So, when did you realize that you were in love with New Orleans? Was that this is the first time I stepped off the bus when we were like teenagers? Mm. I didn't know where we were. Yeah, because you know what it's like. The, the bus just stops and nobody says anything, to you <laughs> and you don't know where you are. Yeah, and it, it was New Orleans, so it was awake. And, I, and so was I, but it was like two or three in the morning and it was 
as you say, it was a dream. It was a crazy dream, though, like a past life experience yeah. dream yeah. where I realized I have been here before and I'm coming back. And mm. I didn't go back on purpose. It just happened to me again and again and again. Some places just call you and they keep calling you back until you're done. It wasn't all pretty, but uh, yeah, I mean, New Orleans was. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans is, I, I struggle with the heat. Even though I, yeah. even though I love the heat, I struggle with it. I, <laughs> my body gets really sluggish in it, and I've, my face, you know, I'm just like look like a tomato all the time, you know, and I, yeah, I don't dig heat so much, and I, I associate it with songs oddly. Ah, I have a lot of trouble with heat for that reason because I think I'm being controlled by a song again, and right. It's sort of like you know when you land in New Orleans, you're like, well, what did you think was going to happen? So you sort of forgive it. Right. <laughs> That's interesting what you said about heat just now, because it made me think that what happens to me in heat is I feel like my shame is being forced to the surface. Yes, that's it. <laughs> why? <laughs> and that's what I associate with songs, which is why I'm not particularly exhibitionistic yeah. or narcissistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like I'm hearing all my shame for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Why is heat shame and why is it musical? <laughs> I don't know, because we think, you know, I, th I think everybody, you know, people... Like, people will look at somebody with a red face and say, uh, that's not good, because that indicates <laughs> shame, and that's bad. I see, and, yeah. and it, so we blush for you. I don't know why. You know, people used to say to me, when I lived in Germany, the Germans would say, ah, du hast so ein rotes Gesicht, warum hast du so ein rotes Gesicht? Why do you have such a red face? And I, you know, it always pissed me off. And I would say to them, yeah. well, maybe I'm hot or maybe I'm freezing to death or maybe I'm ashamed <laughs> or maybe I'm embarrassed. I was like, it could be any number of things. But I what's... have a red face, too. <laughs> you know? like, rosy cheeks. Yeah. I look like a doll in a bad way. Yeah. And I think it's and, and I think, you know, ruddy cheeks and I think red cheeks are beautiful. But it's funny what people, you know, since I get a red face quite often and I can get really embarrassed, it's funny being going all over the world. I remember going to Russia. This is, I don't, hope you don't mind me telling you this real quick. I, I went to the Ukraine. I met a Russian a soldier who was in the Red Army in 1988 when we went to East Germany as a group of students. And I had just started studying Russian at, in Heidelberg in Germany. And this soldier and I, it was such a beautiful thing. You know, he and I wrote letters to each other for the next three years. I still have all those letters here in Iceland with me, and and then um, I was invited to come visit his family, and it was the most incredible odyssey. And I went, you know, I got in the train in Berlin to go to Kiev, and it was like stepping back a couple of centuries. I mean, it was unbelievable. The wooden cars, the, you know, you go into the dining car, which by the way, they didn't put on the train until you got to like the other side of Poland, which I didn't know. And you go, wow. yeah, you go, you go into the dining car, and there's just like a whole chicken on a plate, some bottles of vodka, and a big vat of soup just sitting on a table at the front. And you sort of just, you know, tear off some yeah. chicken and pour some soup and go sit down in one of the wooden booths, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was incredible. And when I got to Kiev, I got deathly ill with you know this crazy case of the flu. And so when I got to this little village in the north of the Ukraine, which is called Chernigov. 
I went to the hospital, and of course they thought, well, he, maybe he has AIDS, or it could be. We don't know what this is because you know they were still wow. quite they were still quite suspicious of foreigners, and they didn't want anybody bringing in some deadly infectious plague into the oh country. My goodness. So here I was in this village in the north of the Ukraine with this family that I didn't know, these people that I didn't know, and they put me in the hospital there and said, you're going to be in here. You've got to be in the infectious diseases unit, and you can't have visitors, and you're going to be here for 40 days. What? <laughs> yeah. And, oh my god. But what was what was really funny was before they took me to the hospital in an ambulance with my face burning up because I was burning up with fever and the nurse came in, the ambulance arrived and the nurse came in and all these people I didn't know were standing in this little apartment staring at me going, you know, look look how red his face is. What's wrong with him? And <laughs> and and the nurse turned to the all the you know, one of the guys was like well, we should love the color of his face. It is like communist flag, you know? And we love <laughs> our red communist flag. And, what? And yeah, and the nurse came in and it's she... It's like a dream. It was, it was unbelievable. Like dream. And the nurse comes in and she goes, she goes, yeah, most healthy look of all of you. Your gray death, he look very healthy. You know, and I'm just... It was just a total trip. Anyway, that's my... That is so surreal. Yeah, it was... I can't believe that happened to you. It was crazy. And I, you know, I sat in that room. I was only, I only ended up being in this hospital for a week and you couldn't have visitors. So they used to, all these people that I didn't know, they, they came and brought me food every day. They took care of me. They came and stood under my window every morning and like would throw a pebble at my window when they got there. Um, really? And then I would sit on this huge ledge in the window and just look down at these guys and they just stood there and talked to me, you know? Really? Yeah. For hours. And then. That's beautiful. Oh, it was incredible. You know, I went back after 25 years later, you know, oh. and visited. Um, and it was, I don't know, it was, it's quite brutal. Um, really? Yeah, just the way some people have to live. At age 16, Kristen was knocked off her bike and left in a wheelchair for months. A head injury left her with this weird side effect where ambient noises she heard in day-to-day -day life would swirl around her brain and turn into specific musical sounds and words. She says it was like having musical epilepsy, but it became the blueprint for throwing Muse's songs, thank God. These days we describe that as PTSD, but along the way she's been incorrectly diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. You know, as far as your career and the things that you've dealt with, you know, that you've talked about in your books, like what it was like for you to, you know, be in that accident and, and how you started receiving music as a result of that. And you didn't choose an easy path when it comes to music and what is considered to be the music business in the United States of America. So you didn't always choose the right path. It wasn't easy for you financially, you know, when you were especially when you were a young band and going through all these things. So I guess there's not even a question here, but it's so inspiring to see somebody, and I think I told you this recently, um, it's like somebody told you, yeah, it's going to be difficult, but just keep showing up. That's nice to hear, because that's another reason why I can feel like uh, I just wandered off in the wrong direction. But mm. if you fall in love, which is what mm. music is when it hits your spine for real, you know, nobody comes up to you and says, well, it's time to go pro, go be a whore now. Yeah, yeah. Because you fell in love. Right. So when that equation hits with music, 
and you've already had your spine shaken by it. This is a spiritual endeavor for yeah. you, and you're going to hear it as it is. They're saying, okay, now we want you to look at every camera like you want to sleep with it. We want you to draw new features over your real ones. We want you to diet till you look easy to break. We want you to claim that women are inane and stop playing actual music, just play Juicy Fruit commercials. You just kind of think, well, I'm a human being, so no. Yeah. I'd rather have a life, even if it's a poor life, even if, it's, if no one ever hears this music, at least it exists. I, I don't want to be caught doing what you're doing and be part of the problem. So I know I could have yeah. gotten attention and money, but anyone who knows what music is isn't looking for that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't help. I know it sounds kind of snotty, I guess. But no, not really. Those things don't go together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very different for women. But yeah. uh, it's also tough for music out there. A song is, um, they're usually quite buried in this world. And, and that's okay, because there are more musicians than there are people in the music business on this planet. Luckily, yeah. Yeah, music is everywhere. And yeah. uh, it's better for that. I, I like that. Yeah. And and I wouldn't if I were rich I'd be safe in some way. Yeah. If I were famous I'd be self-conscious in some way. Those things would shatter me. I have no interest in it. So I'm getting by and I'm working and I have a real life that it seeps into the songs. Yeah. And I, so I, I feel lucky for it. You know, mm. I, when I'm living in my truck I don't always feel lucky, but I have a truck to live in. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> You paint with sound and with your words, and you, you know, you make these beautiful pictures. And I think you're just. Um, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I think you're one of the great American writers, Aww. personally, in my humble opinion. You are so kind. Thank you, dear. Songwriting is good training for for prose. It was for me anyway, because the first book I wrote sucked for two whole years. It's a long time for anybody to suck, and this poor book <laughs> was clever of all things. And I just think clever is. Clever so bad. <laughs> yeah. And trying to impress is so bad. And I didn't mean to go there. I was trying to make it good. But two years in, it found its own voice. And I was just following it along after that. And it, then you get really good at editing. If they had let me keep writing, if they hadn't said pencils down, Chris, uh, yeah. I would have deleted the whole thing, which is probably the goal <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm realizing now what lyrics do to conversational English is poetic in, in and of itself. By definition, it doesn't have to achieve poetry because it's one of the instruments, but the poetic nature of taking a word and making it an, a sense and an action mm. instead of a conversation right. is, I think it's really necessary right now. Mm. I think we need to be a little more limbic in our expression and our understanding and it doesn't have to be Finnegan's weight it just has to be more honest than we have been mm. culturally for for a while I think I've heard you say that things come whether you like it or not right yeah yeah I was not controlling anything and that was sort of lucky now yeah. I uh I don't hear music anymore but it's just it's there yeah. And if I had any pride or shame, mm. I don't think I'd be able to publish it. Yeah. I was trained to believe that it wasn't me. 
Right. And now I do. Right. <laughs> it's clearly not me any more than my kids are me. I could ask them to repeat something I said, but that wouldn't be them. And so I don't <laughs> right. do that to songs either. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I, I definitely went through a long period of, you know, it took me probably 20 years to start finding my voice, you know. It really mm, that's good to know see people don't admit that i mean oh, I, I feel the same yeah. way i just feel like unfortunately i was publishing before i understood what the hell was going on mm. i mean i sort of see songwriting as like the process i feel like when i go into the studio at, the, at this point i'm able to sort of look at myself and say um okay we're going to put aside all these things about how you'd like to be perceived mm -hmm. and how you wish you were cool <laughs> you know and how you you know wish that you could you know look like david bowie and build an image but building an image for me is an escapism that i can't afford because i end up in a fantasy land that is you know surrounded by drugs and alcohol and then i die ah, and, interesting you know so building an image for me you know, is about the complete rejection of the self, you know? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Part of the reward for distilling things down to their essential elements and stripping away all of that stuff about perception and image and everything is that we have been, you know, gifted with a community that we found it very, very difficult to take part in ever. Would you say that? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's truth in that? Yeah. Like when you feel alone, you go out into the world, you do your thing, you are yourself, and the people do show up and they do support and that you have found your community. Would you say that's true? I, I would, yeah. yeah particularly if your marginalization lends itself to uh, more peace than trauma, like hmm. time to hone your inspiration and your craft. And yeah. if, because the other kind is just an imbalance of power reaction and even musically it, it puts you in the sphere of fashion meaning hmm. planned obsolescence you know it's just come and go the, <laughs> the balance of power the imbalance of power like as 
and, right. and you see many people go there. We are the champions, you know, for mm-hmm. a good reason. But I, it's not timeless. If if you are looking to achieve um, something timeless, then your effort is put toward a more clarified view that, that doesn't negate the details. You can put God and devil in your details. Mm. As long as you got that that spine, um, you won't need all the scaffolding to, yeah. to hold it up. And that's what seems to resonate with people. Yeah, if you get stuck and you think there's a big I there, you know, I have suffered. Yeah. This wasn't supposed to happen. In right. my fairy tale, uh, it's better. Like you said, just the escapism. Um, yeah. It it should help you see more clearly. And and, and this is why I always I get fussy if they wanted me to connect art and mental illness. And you know, I wrote a book about not being bipolar and became a poster child for bipolar disorder. <laughs> and, and I get it. Yeah. I didn't want anyone to say broken brain means clarity. Right. I, I struggled, and. Clarity is real and broken brains are real, but let, let's all try to achieve clarity. It's like, I don't want to only paint a picture of marginalization as the truth, I suppose. I, I, there's a universal yeah. truth that the, some of us um, would like to discuss musically. Right. And if we have to get there with some broken, then that is totally valid. Yeah. But to be attached to that brokenness and say, this is the me. It's, it's that's going to be a danger for the music that not everyone will be able to relate. Well, I wanted to say that Sun Racket is is really another incredibly beautiful Throwing Muses record. So congratulations. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for knowing it. Well, geez, it, was, yeah. it came out, you know, COVID-y and yeah. uh, we couldn't even tour it, but... Yeah. That makes it sort of, I kind of like musical secrets. I know that's not really ambitious of me, but I have <laughs> well, a whole secret band. You know, 50 yeah. Foot Way was not, we weren't even going to release recorded product. We just needed stuff to sell at shows. And right. we wanted to just DIY the whole thing, just a cooperative venture. We just, everybody volunteers, you split whatever proceeds, you show up and you play the show. Yeah. And, um, People call it uh, an underrated band or, you know, stuff like that. And keep saying, well, rated by a home. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I was well, the one like... who didn't want to be in the business in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. It's our secret. Yeah. <laughs> I just think I'm nuts. It's like, you can't pay your rent. It's like, yeah. oh, music was never really going to pay my rent, if you think about it. <laughs> right. I mean, um, 50 Foot Wave is really beautiful, too, and it has such a a beautiful raw hard edge to it uh thank you what does it feel like to you that band where does it fit in your head as far as you know there's a Kristen hirsch album do you come up with songs that you know are 50 foot songs that you know don't fit into the other two projects does that happen that was the the problem that led to me starting the band. It's the bass player from Throwing Muses, so it's just, right. just a different drummer. And I was just talking to Bernie yesterday, and he was saying it, it was impactful that it, it it's a lifestyle. We just moved onto the road. We lived in a bus together, and not a tour bus, but like a bus. Like, yeah. <laughs> just goofy thing. And it eventually broke down, as right. did our equipment, but we were uh, on on the road was our life and we 
it's such a rarefied approach to life itself. It can be a little bit like an old age home because you're so simple. <laughs> I mm. just think, well, the thing that will happen today is the show. Yeah. Maybe food. Maybe we'd get showers. Yeah. And it was beautiful, just for like, you know, a decade-long camping trip. But I got to bring my kids and dogs and a pickle jar full of goldfish on. (laughs) (laughs) But we're in the studio right now. I'm mixing. um, Oh, wow. Almost done. And it's it's not the – it's hard to find 50-foot waves. Not even – there are a couple things on streaming sites, but not our full catalog by any means. Yeah. And we don't even record necessarily. You know what music is like. Sometimes it's – it's for the garage to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we sometimes record and sometimes release can be a little misleading. We're following music around. It's not about the the publication necessarily. Yeah. Um, but 50 Foot Waves new record sounds like instead of a, a wave like it always did before, it's these big, tall buildings. There's so much mm. space in it. I, I'm feeling... Like maybe I my production hat fell off halfway through. I don't I don't usually like big. I like enmeshed. I like mystery. Yeah. This is like tall. Yeah. It's <laughs> making a tall record. <laughs> yeah, it totally feels that way too. I wanted to talk to you about tour buses because I personally. You know, people ask me about home a lot. Uh-huh. You know, I've lived in different places around the world. I lived in Germany for a long time, and now I've lived in Iceland for 10 years. And I lived in Michigan. I lived in Colorado. I lived in New York City, lived in Texas. And Oh, you do what I do. Yeah, I do. Because I, and you know, what I do is I like to go out into the world and, and learn languages. I always tell people that it's just a different backdrop for my bullshit, is what I always say. Because it's, you don't get to escape yourself, and you don't get to... You know, Uh, there's always a honeymoon for a little bit, you know, like, yes, but you always find that, you know, that you are there and that it's pretty much the same as everything else, you know, but the thing we need to start a support group. (laughs) Yeah, but it's a good, you know, it's a good thing because, you know, because all you ever really expected to find was beautiful, flawed humans. And so you don't really, you don't really get disappointed and you get all these different landscapes, and those are real, you know. Yes, um, they are very real. And, and you know, yeah. I think the, the value that is sometimes triggered by that honeymoon is just full-on sensory impression. Mm. Like sometimes we, we negate that as if it doesn't matter, but you start to live a little more like a dog, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a big deal to have your yeah. senses turned on at all times. To never get sleepy about what to expect, because that's not safe anyway. You're not safe anyway. Uh, totally, totally, <laughs> totally. Can I ask you a question about the being on the road as far as, for me personally, I mean, even even this beautiful, wonderful relationship I had with this wonderful man, I mean, it was really good. It was the healthiest one I ever had, and it was still mm-hmm. killed by my, pretty, it was a victim of being on the road and being gone all the time and not being able to, I mean, how have you, how was that for you? Yeah. You know, they literally got on board. They were on the bus. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And they still are, you know? Yeah. That's, Um, that's pretty rad. If you're on the road as a lifestyle, 
it's like narcolepsy. <laughs> you open your eyes and, you know, 20 years have passed for someone that you used to know for a minute. Yeah. And that's your life. Yeah. Like, okay, 20 more years have passed for somebody else I used to know for a minute. Yeah. We don't change the way they do because we're our life is the world. Yeah. You know, we keep just sort of feeding back stories, stories and stories and telling them all over the world. And then you show up and it's like, what happened? Was I in a coma? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, my whole world is this group of people that just travels. I mean, until this year, which was, we were, uh, luckily we were grounded in New Orleans. So mm. it's a place to hide and it's so rich that yeah. it, it's not, it's not a bad dream. It's a yeah. good dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as I have my little basket with my toy in it that I can go back to and curl up in the evening, I don't really oh. care where it is. <laughs> yeah, know? that's true. What my son and I had to escape. Uh, my my baby son is a pro surfer, and so he can only live in um, Southern California. And we had a, a stalker landlord experience with hidden cameras and coming out in the middle of the night, stuff like that. And so we had to run away. And we uh, were kind of brokeish. And mm. We had the truck because he's a surfer, but he lost a dog. We lost most of our possessions, which has happened many times before. <laughs> I was sort of used to it, but he wasn't. And it was it was so good. We moved into the the junky days in until mm. we ran out of money, and we met a lot of junkies. <laughs> and a lot of people live in Tijuana and were coming in to work there. And Bodie's point was, well. We're probably going to leave, and they're not. And and we loved it. We had fun. And yeah. we had fun in the truck. And the only, you know, you, you tend to forget the part where you're thinking, maybe this is the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't, and we miss it. I know yeah. people who miss war. I know people who miss car crashes. And, and I sort of, whenever it gets to the point where you think, no more... It's too hard. Mm. I think, well, I might miss this war. I Absolutely. might miss this crash. Totally. Because your senses are turned on. Totally. I feel quite comfortable on a tour bus. I mean, I don't feel I don't feel cramped or claustrophobic. I feel I like to crawl into my little cubby hole and and with my book or you yeah, know, after after yeah. doing a show. I like the fact that those other people are on there, these people that I've, you know, chosen to, to be with. Uh-huh. I mean, you it's can... It's very romantic. You know, we were sort of trained as athletes, so every single show uh, yeah. is... And everything. Yeah. Unless you suck that night and you try not to. But if yeah. you didn't, then you're all used up, like completely used up. And uh, I'm not sure anyone else understands that except the people on the bus so it's a nice little cult to hide out in it's true it's true you were talking earlier about aesthetics and that's one of the things that i've always loved about your releases from the very beginning throwing muses stuff Kristen her stuff um especially and you introduced me to shinro otake 
Oh, really? Yeah. That's nice. Shinro Take is a Japanese artist who does an incredible array of different types of art. I mean, he does drawings, he's a painter, he makes incredible collages, and Kristen has a relationship, a personal relationship with the artist, wouldn't you say, Kristen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like a great uncle. <laughs> and he makes, I mean, in my humble opinion, some of the most beautiful art out there. Absolutely. The pioneering that he has done and that is all unpretentious and... Yeah, in fact, I have something here that I wanted to show you because I, I, was, wow. I was in Japan and I went into this bookstore and they had all these... They had all these beautiful books of his in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Look at that. You used him a lot. You used him on Hips and Makers. You used him on Strange Angels. That's one of my favorite ones, too, because on the back of that, and this, I'm really, really hoping that somebody's listening out there that has something to do. I don't know if it's you or who's going to get these out, some of these albums re-released on vinyl, but I oh, desperate, yeah. I desperately... yeah. That would be nice. I desperately want to see that Strange Angels on vinyl because Aww. the back of that, the, the pink and the orange of, of that particular um, work that he does on the back of Strange Angels, it's mm-hmm. so beautiful and it needs to be seen in a, in a big format. What a sweet dude, too. Is he? He and my mother are really close. <laughs> oh, wow. I have two pieces of that vinyl here. You are amazing. Well, because my well, because one of them I'm going to frame and put on the wall because it's you know because it's exquisite. I mean, you know, you've heard me say this before. I think I don't know if you remember this, but I can't seem to ever shut up about you know, like a dog, which is on that bright yellow gun <gasps> single. I wondered if you knew that song because I just said we should live like a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it rem- and, wow, and it I also- love that song. Oh, it's it's one of my favorites that you've ever done. It's not even a song. It's just this weird little moment. And the the gate on the yes. kick drum was yes. opening so that every time my vocal appeared, the gate would, on the kick would open. So there's this shimmery effect around. It, we were just messing around. It wasn't supposed to be on anything. Right. But, um, I've never been able to exactly replicate what was happening with me singing next to the kick drum because on that record my vocals were so loud that they were bleeding onto the kick and what they did because we played live um Mm. was to build this stupid styrofoam castle around me Mm. (laughs) i was like well how is this live if i'm in a stupid castle now (laughs) and the boys would sit outside the castle and there were turrets and stuff on it and yeah. this dumb little plexiglass window for my face. And so it, before every oh, take, wow. the boys would lean in and look in my window. And every single take on university begins with me saying, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> and the engineer almost snuck it in so that every song started with me saying that. Oh, wow. But it was worth it to get the like a dog before the castle because that's one of my favorite recordings ever it is incredible it's one of my favorites too um everything about that song it takes it's just it's like a dream oh it you know? is thank you for knowing it and getting yeah. it i yeah. thought that was one of my secrets like mm. one of my secret songs yeah that nobody one. else knew <laughs> well and another one is red eyes you know that i oh. i love um i love by the way the way you did anthology you know, I love the way oh, you put yeah. that together because you sort of, you know, you, you don't do a greatest hits thing. You sort of did like a celebration of things that you love about what you've done, right? <laughs> yeah. We're so stupid. We're, 
We really don't have the hashtag marketing thing down or any interest in getting it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Red Eyes is Bernard's, the bass player in 50 Foot Wave and Throwing Music. It's his yeah. favorite song. Oh, An wow. anthology was Dave Narciso's baby. I didn't really do that. He produced these. Uh, we played songs that we wrote in high school. We started playing out when we were about 14. Right. And so he just collected his handful of his favorites um, from high school and we played those and, and it, it was charming. I, I sort of was pinching the bridge of my nose. I don't like to look back very much, but yeah, he looks back with beauty. I guess we should maybe wrap it up. I mean, it's I could talk to you forever. We didn't even talk about our favorite movies. I know. Let's just do this every day. I, I need this. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's um, a little perspective. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I do want to thank you for, um, you know, thank you for talking to me and thank you for, you know, I know you can't really thank somebody for this because you're just doing what you have to do. But God, I'm so happy that you have done what you've done because it's oh, it's meant a lot to kind? me. Yeah, that's so good to hear. I sometimes worry that um, I should never have done it in the first place. That it was yeah. sort of wrong. Yeah, in a few different ways. You know, maybe unkind to my children or yeah, uh, unfair to people who would like a ladder out of the pit. Yeah. And I seem to just join them there and, you know, they'll say, well, I wasn't alone. It's like, yeah, but we were in a pit. Can we, can yeah. we get out now? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. People like you give me hope because there's obviously some light mm. um, in what you do. And mm. I know there's light in what I do. It's just the misapprehension maybe can, can be a little deadly sometimes. I've lost a lot of listeners, you know, they... My people die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like my musician people. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this orientation, but it uh, it disappears, people. And uh, mm. I hope that totally. we're moving toward health that way. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. I have the same thoughts all the time. You know, I don't read my interviews. I can't listen to myself. I don't like to go back and listen to my albums. Yeah. It took me 20 years to find my voice. It took me 20 years to feel comfortable on stage. I would love to talk to you again sometime and, you know, just thank that you. That would be great. Thank you for everything. It's, yeah, it's been a joy. Uh, thank you, all you sweethearts. It was great to finally meet you in kind of person. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I hope that was as much of a joy for you beautiful creatures as it was for me. Until next time, it's JG signing out. You know what, y'all? I'd really love for you to know that the sound design today has been provided by Peregrine Andrews, the name you wish you had, and additional sound is by John Pearson. My incredible manager is Fiona Glenn Jones. From Storyglass, we have executive producer Alex Hollins, and head of production is Carrie Luter. Special thanks to them. This has all been produced by the gorgeous Rachel Hooper for Walk On Air for Storyglass. Please subscribe to our lovely podcast on your usual channels. Next time, I'm going to be talking to the Linda Thompson, the legendary folk singer and icon. I was really relieved to hear Linda talk about certain things like having an ice bucket filled with Mars ice cream bars next to her bed because those are things that I'm afraid to talk about. Although the one next to my bed is filled with Snickers ice cream bars, but you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. 
Beautiful, 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 beautiful